Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions midweek podcast brought to you by Pride of Detroit. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. And with me, as always, as my co-host for First Bite, is senior editor of Pride of Detroit. You can find him at Ryan underscore P-O-D. It's Ryan Matthews. <laughs> Thank you for the <laughs> introduction. I don't know. If I, I'm so used to like waiting for the drop. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like I was like, oh, is it the drop? Is it the not? Is it the is it Thursday? Question mark. But I threw, I threw in a little game show pizzazz in there too. It was. It was a little bit pizzazz. Um, speaking of game show pizzazz, I just noticed that like when you mention in the introduction that we're brought to you by Pride of Detroit, like I wish that we were brought to you by somebody else. So if you want to sponsor the podcast, you can hit up Jeremy's email. You can hit up my email. You can hit up anybody at Pride of Detroit's email. Sure. Just try we'll take, just, just type in at prideofdetroit.com after any name on your email and see if it gets to us. And, and make sure that you say that I suck alligator toes. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't, I don't know how to transition out of that. I'm not, I'm not good with segues out of alligator toes, but uh, it's uh, it's about to be NFL combine week, Ryan. And yeah. when I think of the NFL combine, I, I don't think of men in, in shorts. I don't think of 40 yard dashes. I think of one person and one person in particular. I must ask you, who is this person? This person is the developer of Raz relative athletic score, who every single draft Nick knows about at this point. I know this guy. He is a pride of Detroit alum and he currently works in the NFL analytics and applications department, a devel- development department at pro football network. Kent Lee Platty, AKA math bomb is here. Kent. Welcome back, buddy. I'm always glad to be back on guys. <laughs> so happy to have you. Uh, and so happy to have you talk about all the draft stuff that's about to happen so that I don't have to talk about it. <laughs> it's, it's definitely my busiest time of year. I, I, I love getting ready for it and I love going through the whole combine stuff and if I didn't have to sleep, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's jump right into it. We'll we'll split this pod between offense and defense. Obviously, start with the offense here, and what better way to start than with the quarterbacks? Um, I I mean, let's I guess let's start with Kenny Pickett, right? Because I feel like maybe he has the most to gain with just I mean, just by hand size measurement, right? Like, didn't measure at the Senior Bowl because he was doing some stretches or whatever or yoga or I don't know what he was doing. Does it, is there that much on the line for him with just simply the hand measurement size? 
There really is. You know, it's it's one thing when you have a guy that's on the, on the fringe. You have a guy like uh, Jared Goff or Joe Burrow who had nine-inch hands. Nine-inch hands is below average for a quarterback. But there's not a lot of difference in terms of raw inches between the, the below average and above average. You're talking nine and a half is below average. Ten is above average for a quarterback. So there's only an inch difference there. But the reported, the original reports on Kenny Pickett where his hands were seven and three quarters inches, which is an inch and a quarter below below average. Mm-hmm. Um, and more than almost two, it's an inch and three quarter below what would be considered average, which is nine and a half inches. When you're that far out on the fringe, it becomes really concerning, especially when you're jumping from college to pros because the NFL football is slightly larger. Um, you know, Pickett had the nickname uh, Kenny Two Gloves when he was playing in college because we'd wear two pairs of gloves to get extra grip on the football. We've seen that issue as Lions fans when Matthew Stafford was injured and had to wear gloves and being able to grip the football. It can be a problem. We saw it with Jared Goff, not just last year, but also in his time with the Rams. It can be an issue. Now, sometimes you have guys like Joe Burrow where it isn't really much of an issue. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was, I think, nine and a quarter, so just barely below average. And he didn't obviously doesn't seem to have too much of an issue. But those guys are just barely below average. And Kenny Pickett is an extreme below average. And that's a big that's a big concern. Um, He claims he has, I think, a double jointed thumb. He said something like that. Um, There are measurement. There are tricks you can do to extend the size of your hand, at least at least temporarily. I don't know how much that's going to help him. He's leaning very heavily on one year of tape. Um, Kenny Pickett played five years of college and only one of them was worth watching. Um, And when you only got one year of tape and four years of mediocre to bad tape, you really have to have that that tape to lean on. You can't really have anything else as a negative. Um, what I'm looking forward to is him running the cone drill. As much as we talk about Kenny Pickett's hand size, Kenny Pickett is probably going to run the best cone drill out of all the quarterbacks, better than Malik Willis, better than Desmond Ritter. Um, I I'm fairly confident in watching him on tape that he has these weird fluid hips and ankles that you don't normally see from a guy, his size. And I really want to see him run the, run the cone drill. Well, not really see because the NFL doesn't really broadcast the agility drills this much. I wish they did because they're, they're better than the 40, but um, I'm very excited to see that he does have a really good chance to improve his stock. None of the quarterbacks, at the senior bowl really impressed all that much. Um, so all of them have an opportunity and with Pickett playing the best in the game, as far as a pure passer, I think he's got a really good opportunity to help the stock. Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned uh, the Senior Bowl, Kent, and you talk about improving stock. One guy who wasn't at the Senior Bowl was uh, Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. Um, He's going to be at the Combine to just kind of remind everybody that he's there, right? Like, it seems like like there was some Matt Corral erasure that happened uh, during the Senior Bowl. What, What type of impact do you see him making at the Combine? And his, his big thing is going to be the first day that he gets there. He's going to come in, he's going to measure. And Matt Corral is a little bit below average size for what you'd want a quarterback to be. And we've seen quarterbacks that are shorter and, and a little bit slender do okay in the NFL. That hasn't been as much of a concern as it used to be. But whenever you have that concern coming in, you want to measure in at least a little bit above where you were. So you can show NFL coaches that you're willing to work, that you're willing to do whatever you need to do in terms of strength and conditioning. Um, And because he hasn't thrown since the season ended, he's got to come out and really show that he can contend with these guys. 
you know, there are some questions with Matt Corral about whether or not he's a scheme dependent quarterback. He runs that, that heavy RPO scheme. Um, even though we've seen guys come out of the NFL into the NFL that are, have played that he's very, very heavily RPO. And you want to see him come out and make some regular throws and just do, do the stuff that you expect a quarterback to do. There's a lot more checking the boxes with Matt Corral than there is anybody else coming into this week. Interesting. Uh, before we move on to the next position, I, I guess we got to touch on Malik Willis and, and somehow the fortunes have, have made, made it so that I get to ask the question, not Ryan. <laughs> uh, but I guess my question is, does he have that much on the line this week? Because, I mean, a lot of people say you don't, you don't double count someone's athleticism where, you know, we, we know Malik Willis is crazy athletic, so he's going to put up some really good scores in, in some of these athletic and agility scores. So what, what can he improve? Or, 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 you know, is, is there anything really on the line for him next week? Yeah. I don't, th- I'm not even, I, I'm less than 50% thinking he's even going to test this, mm. this week as, as much as I want him to, I want everybody to test. I'm, I'm greedy. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> um, I, I don't think he has anything to prove. And when you're, when you're a guy that's coming in with nothing to prove, you have a better opportunity to just not do it. Yeah. And I don't feel like he's even going to test. I think he's just going to do the passing drills. I would love it if he does. Um, but he doesn't really. I mean, coming in, coming into the passing drills at the Senior Bowl, he what didn't didn't put up the kind of performance I think he expected to. But he had the best arm there by a significant margin. And with Matt Corral showing up, and maybe whatever was up with Carson Strong at the Senior Bowl is is fixed. You know, he's not going to just be the the only big armed guy there. He's going to have other guys there that can show that same kind of tree. So he's going to want to do really well in those passing drills, and I think he's going to focus primarily on doing that. Um, that's where he's going to be be having things to prove and, and trying to show people what he can do. Well, Jeremy had the fortune of asking you a question about Malik Willis. I get the fortune of watching Jeremy squirm as I ask you about the running back class because, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Brad Holmes, somebody who, you know, as Eric Schlitt mentioned um, in, uh, in his running back uh, combine preview, you know, he mentioned that Brad Holmes comes from Los Angeles, comes from the Rams where they routinely took running backs in almost every draft. Um you know, Brad Holmes took a running back in his first draft, Jamar Jefferson in the seventh round. So I think there's an outside chance, but I think it's going to be later. I think it's going to be at a point where Jeremy is palatable with it. Who are some of your guys um, from rounds like four through seven, you know, day three guys um, that, that might be uh, might be in the Lions wheelhouse. And I wouldn't rule out a day two pick for a running back. And as much as I joke or joke about it, you guys know it's better. Jeremy's dying. Jeremy's it's been a running down. gag for years. The Lions taking a running back high every other season. It's been a joke forever. But Jamal Jamal Williams only has one year left in his contract. Swift only has two, and he's been injured for a good portion of his time. I don't think it's I don't think it's that far of an outside possibility that they take a running back. Probably not in the first or second. Probably with their third round pick. Um, so don't rule it out and don't be mad if it happens. I'm, I'll be mad if it happens. I'm saying. At 34, and, I'm oh, going to yeah. be pissed. Yeah, I would be mad there. But okay. <laughs> I, I'm saying don't be mad with the third-round pick, and you know how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, so going into the third, the fourth round, the day three guys, um, I, 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 can't, I can't go through the whole thing without mentioning at least one local guy. And Hassan Haskins out of Michigan is a day three prospect. I think the Lions are going to have their, their eyes on. Um, he's got good speed. He's got good power. He's, he's a generally good overall type of back. He's kind of a do-it-all 
similar to what the Lions had in Theo Riddick back when they they had originally drafted him, that they had envisioned a guy that could do anything, but maybe he's not the best at anything, but he can do whatever you want him to do. Um, Haskins, that type of guy. Uh, one of my favorite prospects in the whole draft is Sincere McCormick out of UTSA. Um, and not just because he's UTSA, but um, really good running back, takes everything that he's given to him. He's a good creator in space. I'm not sure how he's going to test. It's a pretty big week for him in that in that regard. Um, it really is for all the running backs. There aren't any like super crazy athletes coming into the combine like we usually have at running back. Um, the last guy I wanted to mention was Ezra Gray out of Alabama State. He's a really small back. He's he's 5'7-ish and about 178 pounds. Um, he went to the HBCU Combine, did a couple of tests there. He tested well for the stuff that he did. Um, he looked really good. He's he's looked like he's been in, been keeping in shape. Uh, but when you're that kind of size, you really want to show that you can uh, you can do more than just be that little slot gimmick guy or maybe just a returner. Um, Gray has really good speed, and I think if he can bulk up just a little bit more, he might have he might have a really good opportunity to stick to an NFL roster. And, and, and real quick, I just want to say for Kent and I. Uh, Tyler Algier at 97 is something that we can both get on board with. Oh yeah. And I didn't mention him because I don't think he's a day three back. Uh, some yeah. people still have him as a day three guy. I don't, I don't think he's a day three guy. I think he's a day two back all the way. Um, he'll probably go higher than I want him to. Cause that that's where I want him to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have no follow-ups on running back. So let's jump to wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> Wide receiver, obviously, one of the bigger needs of the team. Um, we, we all heard Antoine Randall L say he wants a, a bushel of them. Um, but I think maybe the more interesting comment that he made, and and I think maybe was corroborated by by Campbell, is they kind of want that 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 main guy, that number one that that they can just trust to throw it up to and, and make a play. And so, not that that's particularly rev- revelatory. We all know they need an outside receiver. But who are some of your favorite? guys that fit that because it feels like a lot of guys at the top of the draft they also kind of fit in that slot roles or is there any guy that's like a pure outside guy that's going to be a potential number one that that might be still be there at 32 yeah and it's a weird wide receiver class we usually have a little bit more clarity as to who we think is going to go where but with so many injuries you know we had we had mechie and uh jameson williams got hurt um you know we've had a lot of guys that have been ranked high that got hurt and we're still trying to figure out where everybody is um, if Drake London falls to the where the Lions can pick him, or even if they traded up to get him, I would be 100% on board with picking Drake London out of USC. Um, when I went into watching his tape, I expected him to be a jump ball specialist because that's what I had heard everybody talking about him. Oh yeah, well he's he's you know primarily the the guy the go up and get it guy. You know he doesn't separate very well, and all the same stuff that you hear about those types of players. And I barely saw that on tape. Not that he doesn't have the ability to do that. But I saw a guy that can run really crisp routes. I saw a guy that can make yards after the catch. I saw a guy that can take screens and make make big yardage out of them. I really liked what he brought to brought to the table, and I'm excited to see him this week. Um, you also had on here you you had asked a question about Christian Watson on here too, but I, I didn't want to I didn't want to go away without mentioning him because I think he might be getting close to where that he's in that conversation for that the 32nd or 34th overall pick um he, he comes from a smaller school so you're generally not going to look at it they're not they're not going to pull in all all these great experience all these great corners he played against 
Um, but during senior bowl practices, Christian Watson was one of the only guys that didn't have many bad reps. Yeah. Even when it was full on raining and downpouring, he caught every pass thrown his way. He runs pretty good routes for a guy his size, not the best. He's got, got a little bit of development, developing to do there yet. Um, I've heard nothing but praise about his athleticism. And I, I know some folks that are, are closer to the program that have spoken him up even higher than that. They expect him to just destroy the combine. Um, and yeah, you take it with a grain of salt whenever people are talking about their own schools, but um, I am excited to see how he tests. And if he does test well and does well in the drills, I don't think we can ignore him as a potential late first, early second round pick anymore. And there are a lot of names, Kent, like you said, because it seems like the wide receiver class is having a hard time uh, separating itself from one another. So um, I, I think that we've seen so many mock drafts really put a receiver at 32 or 34 because there are so many of them. And do you see any of those guys that pop up at 32 or 34 that you're not really that high on that, that you wouldn't be all that thrilled with if the lions made wide receiver their choice at 32 or 34? Yeah. And I put, I put Traylon Burks on there as well, because I also want to consider if the lions do manage to trade out of two somehow, and they end up a little bit lower and they take a wide receiver with their first pick. And I think that Traylon Burks would be the guy that's in that conversation earlier in the first round. Um, I'm not as high on Traylon Burks as a lot of other people are. You you think I should be You got a guy that's over six, three and about two fifty two twenty, and supposedly some superb athlete. Um, I I bet he's going to test. Well, I have no doubts about his testing, Um, He's got a lot of concentration issues when he's trying to pull in the ball. He's got some drops and he's got some of those double, those double catches we used to see with guys like Eric Ebron where, yeah, he caught the ball. It counts as a catch, but if there was anybody in the vicinity, they were just going to knock that ball away. And that can be really concerning when you're trying to project to the next level, because you're not going to get that, that more favorable, those more favorable looks once you get to the next level. Um, Jahan Dotson out of Penn State's another guy that I'm not super high on. A lot of people have him going in that late first, early second round range. And I'm, I just don't I just don't really see him as that kind of guy. He's more of a late second, early third guy for me. Um, and I still see John Mechie out of Alabama pop up in that that early second round conversation. And that I, I definitely don't see. I, even before he got hurt, I don't think that Mechie was really in that conversation anymore. Um, and yet he still pops up from time to time. I, I think he really got overshadowed by Jameson Williams. Um, and with Bryce Young, Bryce Young getting as much hype as he was at quarterback, you know, a lot of that was his work getting things done more than it was his receivers getting all the work. So uh, unlike guys like Tua and Mac Jones, where that was the complaint was that the receivers were doing it all, right. Bryce Young does a, quite a bit more. All right, let's move on to, to tight ends. Uh, probably an underrated need, and I know Lions fans – cringe at the idea of, of drafting tight ends. Uh, but Hawkinson, you know, kind of nearing the end of his rookie deal at this point, and, and there's not really a clear number two. They like Brock Wright. But I, I guess I, I want to move to the the, the blocking variety of, of this class because y- you look at how the Saints use Josh Schill. You look at what, you know, Dan Campbell is all about. I think he wants – they're probably going to be looking for – someone like that either in free agency or the draft. So, so what does this draft class have to provide in terms of those kind of primary blocking tight ends? And it's a tough draft for those types of guys, because most of the the tight ends in this class are your receiving variety. Um, And they've got a lot of really good options for that too. If the Lions do decide to go down that road and, and get a guy like Greg Dulcich, um, 
you know, guys that guys that have a pretty good athleticism and can get open. Uh, but if they do want to get a blocker, you're going to look at a guy like Trey McBride out of Colorado State, one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, he's probably going to get drafted too high for the Lions. I think he goes in the second round. Um, if he does fall to the third round, maybe the Lions do some trading around in the second or maybe they trade up in the third or something like that. I think he's got to be on the table. Um, when he was down in the senior bowl, he was ripping apart everybody except for one player that we'll mention later. Um, <laughs> but he was just, he was just destroying everybody, both as a blocker and a receiver. He's really physical, really aggressive on the field. I think he's the type of guy that, that Campbell would really like. Um, and then Trey Barry out of Boston college, uh, Boston college is, has a really good program when it comes to, to getting blockers. They've, they've always had a really good offensive linemen that come out of there. You know, they just, they've just done a really good job of developing those type of players. And Barry, I think, does a really good job of, of that particular aspect of play. Um, Charlie Kohler is another guy that you're probably going to hear thrown around a lot. I'm not high on Charlie Kohler. I don't think he's going to test very well either. Um, I'm pretty sure he's one of PFF's highest-rated guys this year. Um, but because he's huge, um, he's a huge tight end. I think he's 6'5 and, and 260, something like that. He's a bigger, bigger tight end by today's standards, right. um, you know, he's, he's a bigger guy. I think you're going to get him thrown around quite a bit too, as an option, just because of the size matchup and having that physicality. Well, speaking of physicality, the, the opportunity to have the lines at the senior bowl, obviously presented the opportunity for Dan Campbell to be asked questions and be way too authentic and honest because he can't help himself. Right. So I remember on the sideline during the senior bowl game, um, NFL networks down there and they asked Campbell, you know, like, Hey, um, what type of guys are you looking for? You know, who, who are you looking at today? And he mentioned that, you know, Hey, we want to add a little bit of depth to the offensive line. And that might seem like a head scratcher to a lot of people who say, what do you want to do with the lions offensive line? It's perfect as it is, but it can always use depth. So, you know, the lions have a lot of, you know, day three picks uh, on the back end, um, guard tackle, any of those kind of prospects there at the, at the bottom of the draft, Kent, that you, that you're high on. I have guys all over the draft on the offensive line, I think are, are really good options for the team. If they're just looking for depth and on day three, Dylan Parham out of Memphis was one of the guys at the senior bowl that really impressed. I didn't even come into the super, the super bowl, the senior bowl expecting to talk about Parham a lot. Um, yeah. But every time I would jump to different groups of folks to try to socialize, his name would come up because he was burying somebody or he was doing really good or his footwork for it looked really good. Um, he's a player that I looked into a little bit deeper after the senior bowl. And I really liked him. Um, he's probably going to go mid day three. He might even go earlier than that. If he tests well, um, outside of him, there wasn't a whole lot of guys at the senior bowl that really impressed me on the offensive line. I thought it was one of the weakest groups, um, in overall in the senior bowl yeah. was the offensive line. It's, it um, seems like there's a lot of guards that are being talked about, like at the tail end of the first round, it seems like it's a yeah. pretty, pretty heavy draft on that. Yeah, Zion Johnson was one of the guys that was getting talked up a lot, and he should be. He's really, really good. Um, very physical, aggressive player. Might might actually sneak into the first round, and I wouldn't rule him out at 32 if the Lions did decide to grab an offensive lineman. He's the type of guy that they might pick up there. Lesida uh, Smith out of Virginia Tech is another player I think they might look into on day two. Big, physical guy. Um, has some of the best reps in all of, of all the college football last season. Um, doesn't have them consistently enough and has some bad reps, like legitimately bad reps thrown in there as well. Um, but his good reps are really, really good. He, he just buries people. Those, those real fun highlight plays where a guy puts a guy in the dirt. You really like seeing those. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think Lions fans should probably be open to the idea of, of grabbing a guard potentially uh, early on day two, considering Vitae played well last year, but got a big contract and it's getting near the end of it. And they probably want to get a little younger at that position, but Let's take a first break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the defense at the NFL Combine. Again, we're here with Kentley Platty, former Pride of Detroiter, current uh, analytics guy over at Pro Football Network. We'll be right back with our 2022 NFL Combine preview. And we are back on First Bite, previewing the 2022 NFL Combine here with Kent Lee Platty, a.k.a. Math Bomb, a.k.a. the Raz creator, the Raz God. I don't know. Do you have any other nicknames that I'm missing? No, but I I, I, I still can't get over the fact that I, I had one guy who's followed me for a very long time who eventually started calling me Matt because he started <laughs> – he, he, he would call me by my name, and then he started to call me Math Bomb, and then he just started calling me Math <laughs> And then eventually that became Matt. And I was like, you know that my name is not and has never been Matt, right? It, it's got one letter in common with Matt, so that's, <laughs> that's close enough. Um, let's, let's talk defense. Let's talk edge defenders. Uh, we got to start with the top two. Uh, for whatever reason, it seems like Kayvon Thibodeau's stock is falling because of very vague <laughs> criticisms of his uh, – I don't know his want, no, his his logic, but um, I, I do imagine that, and, and this is something we haven't talked about yet. I do imagine the interview process at the combine is going to be big, be big for both these guys as it is for everybody. But I guess when we're talking about on the field stuff, is there anything that either of these two guys can do to separate from each other? No, but what, what I do like is that we have a really strong edge class. And I mentioned it with, with Malik Willis and guys like that who don't necessarily even have to test because they don't really have anything to prove. I don't think that's the case with Thibodeau and Hutchinson. Hutchinson is coming in with inexplicably, inexplicably has questions about his athleticism. It blows my mind. This is a question, uh, but that's still a, a common refrain. People keep saying, we don't know that he's got the athletic traits to match up with how he plays on the field. Spoilers. He does. Even if you account for Michigan stopwatches, he has a lot of athletic traits. He's athletic. Um, Thibodeau is a great athlete too. And because he's trying to fight now to get that pick, he's probably going to test because they, they're going to try to outshine each other. And they've got guys nipping on their heels. They've got guys that have been, been doing really well throughout the process. And this is a very, very strong edge class. So I, I do believe that they both have a lot to prove. And I can guarantee you just knowing what we know about Hutchinson, He's probably going to do everything because he's he's always got something to prove to himself. It seems like um, he, actually, he actually told us he told us yeah. on the podcast he plans to do everything. We yeah. talked and we talked to Aiden Hutchinson, Ryan. <laughs> we did, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thibodeau, I would expect to do the same thing because of that because he's got to show that that all these questions about his motivation and that type of stuff are bunk. Um, Oregon has a very different scheme than a team like Michigan does, and they don't use their players the same. They have always played where guys take time off the field because they, this is how they play. And that's not Thibodeau taking plays off. Um, you watch him when he's on the field and not only is he an absolute monster, but teams have to account for him when he's on the field to the point where some of the teams that played against Oregon 
legitimately did change the plays that they were calling whenever he had to get off the field for some reason. Whenever they pulled him off the field, they changed the plays they were calling. They were like, okay, he's gone. We can do something else now. We actually have an opportunity. There's not a lot of guys that change the game when they're on the football field as much as Kayvon Thibodeau has. Well, you know, Kent, you mentioned some of those guys that might be nipping at Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau's heels. Um, I know one of you have a few guys listed here, and I'm going to throw a quick curveball at you because it's somebody who's really who Dane Brugler from the Athletic is really high on, uh, Trayvon Walker from Georgia. Um, do you see him as being a guy that, that's you know putting himself in that conversation for you know higher than just late day one? I I don't personally believe he is, but I I know some, a lot of the people that I talked to have said the very same thing and they've been talking up Trayvon Walker for a while. He's a little bit more of a, not, not so much a tweener, but he's not, he's not a true edge guy in the same way that Thibodeau and Hutchinson are. Um, He does some work on the interior too. He does, does a lot of stuff. He's much more like a Zadarius Smith type of player where he's not necessarily going to bend around the edge every play but he can still impact both the run and the pass effectively on the edge. He's not a guy that you're like, Oh, you got to swing it inside. Um, He's very disruptive. He's probably going to test really well. Um, He's very impressive as a player. And he's just another, another piece to this ridiculous draft class. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us some more about some of the guys that you have that can really benefit um, and and separate themselves uh, at the combine. So I didn't write him. I didn't put him on here, but George Karlaftis out of Purdue is, is, has been a big name throughout this whole period. Um, He's also had some questions about his athleticism. Um, He was on the freaks list, just like Hutchinson was. Uh, But unlike Hutchinson, I think some of those potential athletic athletic limitations do show up with, with uh, Karlaftis where they don't with Hutchinson, Um, not necessarily being slow, but not being fast, not necessarily being, um, unagile, but maybe not having the best bend, you know, he, he might not have those top end traits you're looking for, even if he's passable. Um, if he can go out and show that he's got those athletic traits though, there isn't a single pound for pound stronger player in the draft class. And you're usually not saying that about a big guy. You're usually saying pound for pound about some small guy who bullies people around when you got a guy that's 270, 280 pounds, like Carl Aftis is, he beats everyone with strength. He tears people up. Um, I also listed David Ajabo out of Michigan. Uh, David Ajabo, I've even seen people list him above Hutchinson. I am nowhere near putting him on that same level. Uh, but there is a, a really big reason why Hutchinson was ex- as successful as he was this year. Not just his own traits and his motor and his athleticism, but teams couldn't double team him. They had uh, Ojabo on the other side. They had to account for every play. And if they didn't account for one of them, the other one was going to make them pay. Really talented edges on both on both sides, that Michigan defensive front. And both of these guys should have good combines and potentially push their way up boards. Jay Sanders out of Cincinnati, I added, because he was really lean at the Senior Bowl. And I, I really worry about where that's going to put him if he comes into the combine and he's not – say 250 and above. I think he was like 242 or something like that at the senior bowl, really lean for an edge rusher. Um, He's got a lot of good pass rushing moves. He's he's a pretty good athlete, but if he comes in lean, that can be a killer for a lot of NFL teams. A lot of teams just don't like guys that are that lean. Um, Boye Mafe out of Minnesota had probably the best senior bowl out of any of the players that was there, Uh, both the practices and the game. He, He just wrecked everybody. 
Um, his athleticism is difficult to take on one-on-one and I've been talking about it all year, but he's probably one of the only players that could contend for that, that number one Raz spot, that 10.0, uh, Boye Mafia's got a shot at it. He's, he's that level of athlete. We're talking a, a defensive end that could run in the four fours that could probably have a 40 inch vertical and maybe an 11 foot broad. He's just, he's just got crazy athletic traits. Um, and if he comes up and, and puts up those kind of numbers, like, like he's been talking himself up and like people have been saying he can do, and he actually does that after having a strong senior bowl. And, and that's big for him. Uh, and the last guy that I put on here was Drake Jackson out of USC. Drake Jackson, it seems like kind of the forgotten man of this draft class. He started out the year as a top five player um, and just kind of fell out of everybody's good graces. Um, a lot of athletic traits and a lot of, a lot of potential that, that kind of got went unrealized this year. He didn't really play poorly, but I don't know that he played well enough to keep himself in that, that early first round conversation. And now people are talking about him as if he's not even a first round player, he's potentially a day two guy. And I've even seen people lower than that. So he's probably got the most to prove out of any of these edge rushers. It's interesting. Having such a, a deep class at edge is, is obviously a, a good problem to have for a team like the Lions that probably could use at least one guy. But you have to wonder if, if, you know, I've already seen some people suggest maybe that means do something different with that, that number two pick. And I, I, don't, I don't know where you stand on that, but I, I want to move on to, to interior guys because I, there's, there's also kind of an interesting uh, proposal from Daniel Jeremiah in his latest mock where he takes Hutchinson at two and then he goes and gets himself a nose tackle for the lines and Jordan Davis at uh, at 32 uh, curious as your thoughts on, on that strategy. So here's the thing. I love Jordan Davis and you guys know, I, I mean, I literally left my work at PFN last year to come to your guys' party to just be happy about the fact that they had took Alan McNeil He's one of my favorite players because I love athletic big men. Yeah. Jordan Davis is an athletic big man. Yep. Um, in a bubble, taking a, an athletic pass rusher with your first pick and then taking a nose tackle of Jordan Davis with your second pick makes complete sense because you're trying to build that, that, that really strong front to try to take guys out. In a bubble makes complete sense. I don't see it as a fit for the Detroit Lions. They already took McNeil and he played well. They took um, Anzarike last year and you know he he kind of struggled a little bit but they've already invested several high picks on defensive tackle taking a third doesn't really make a lot of practical sense um and jordan davis isn't a guy that you can play inside and outside he you're not going to push him to edge right. ever in any <laughs> never three sixty or whatever yeah he's just a big boy you're not going to do that <laughs> so in a bubble i i love the player a lot i love the concept a lot i don't love it for the lions based on what they have well, sticking at the defensive tackle position, uh, Perry on Winfrey, also a guy who just had a tremendous senior bowl was named, I think the MVP of the senior bowl and was destroying people left and right during practice. I, I watched right beside you as he did yeah. that. So I'm curious, you know, you mentioned, uh, would you say a uh, Mafe? Yeah. Uh, kind of had a, a dominating senior bowl and, and could potentially continue. Do you, do you see, see that potential same trajectory in a guy like Winfrey? Yeah. Winfrey, I think should test well. And whenever you want your, you have your interior pass rushers, you want them to test well. It's not as important for nose tackles. It's awesome when they do, uh, <laughs> but it isn't as important for a nose tackle or, or even just for a run defender in general, that it's primarily a run defender. But if you're looking at, for a guy to come in and be an interior penetrator and take out guys on the interior and go after the quarterback, that shortest distance from, from a to B, 
you want a guy like Perry and Winfrey. And if he's able to continue that momentum and carry it on this into the, the combine, I could very much see him in that first round consideration at the end of the round. Well, Ken, I know we're getting closer and closer to the players that you're that you alluded to earlier. I want to talk about the linebacker position because it is such a huge need for Detroit. You know, I, I think people look at their defense and they immediately identify safety and even edge rusher because there's a lot of talk at, at the top of the draft with taking either Thibodeau or Hutchinson. But linebacker is a is a serious need for this team. Um, who are some of the guys you like? Who are some of the guys you think are going to test test really well? And and who are some of the guys that might be available there at 32 or 34? So my top linebacker is Devin Lloyd out of Utah. I don't think he's going to be there at 32 or 34. Um, fantastic player, good cover guy, can can play against the run. And he just like Nicobe Dean out of Georgia, who's another guy that I also think don't isn't going to be available. Um, if either of those guys are there that should be the pick at 32. Uh, that just, it just has to be the pick at 32. Um, the lions need a linebacker. They can be a difference maker. Both of those guys can be a difference maker. You have to take that pick. Um, outside of those guys, we have Chad Muma out of, out of Wyoming, who I think is going to test really, really well. Um, I think I was with you, Jeremy, at the senior bowl when I mentioned Muma, uh, because he's probably going to run in the four fives. He's, he's got really good speed, good explosiveness and good speed. Um, if you can get good agility for a linebacker, especially for a cover guy, you want that. But if you want a guy that you're going to have moving all over the place and, and being in that attacker type type of linebacker, uh, you want them to be fast and explosive. And Muma is that. Um, Christian Harris out of Alabama is another guy that they'll be looking at in the second and third round. Um, I, I'm not as high on, on Christian Harris, but um, when I say that, I, I'm talking about him where he was at the beginning of the season when he was talked about as a first round guy. I was never really on board with that. Now that he's more a second and third round guy, I think that value kind of lines up with the type of player that he is. Um, definitely going to be a, a day one starter, I think, when he gets to the NFL. Um, and then uh, Brandon Smith out of Penn State is another guy that I think is, is going to test really well, not just because he went to Penn State, because he's legitimately a good athlete. Um, everybody from Penn State tests well. Uh, but he, he's also a really good player, and he's probably more the, the third-round type of guy looking in the third um, if the Lions don't get one with their first or second. All right, let's move to the secondary. I want to talk cornerback, which is kind of an interesting need for the Lions because – they might not really need an outside corner, but also how much can you rely on, on the likes of Jeff Okuda or Amani Oruarie or who knows where Fatim Elefano is going to be in his, uh, in his progression. But let, I, I want to talk about nickel. Cause I feel like that's a spot that, that I think we can point to as definitely not settled at any point. Like AJ Parker had a good rookie season. I don't know how much the lines are depending on him to continue to have that starting role. So are there any nickel guys in this year's class that might have a really good combine that might stick out? Uh, next week? Not so much at cornerback. Cornerback has a lot of really good players. It's one of the strongest positions in this draft class, but almost all of them are outside corners. Mm. Um, there aren't really a lot of nickel guys at corner. However, uh, one thing this draft also has going for it is a very strong safety class and a lot of safeties play nickel. And one of the best players at the senior bowl uh, on the defense was Jalen Peter Piter. I don't know how to pronounce his name out of Baylor. Um, he's the only player who was able to take on Trey McBride, McBride as a blocker, which is even more impressive when you look at the fact that McBride is about 255 pounds of tight end and Peter's a safety who's maybe 200 pounds. He's not a big guy. He's a smaller safety. 
Um, but he's a really good cover player. I think he's going to test well. Um, he's very physical, um, both at the line and in coverage. Uh, really like him as a nickel uh, and deep safety, a guy that can move around and you can do a lot of stuff with. I think he's a day one starter in the NFL. Um, Veron McKinley is a safety out of Oregon. He's another guy that can play nickel and can play deep. Um, really good ball skills from Veron McKinley. I'm not as sold on him uh, testing all that well, but I know we've talked last year about how uh, Brad Holmes has that type that he looks for at safety yeah. who may not test as well in the 40, but has a good 10 and maybe good agility drills or good explosion. I think that might be McKinley this year as a guy that doesn't quite test as well, maybe drops a little bit in the draft and then uh, Holmes swoops in and gets him at value. Um, another guy that I've seen come up a lot as a hybrid type of player is Sterling Weatherford out of Miami, Ohio. Um, he played both linebacker and safety at the senior bowl. Um, he's a very versatile player, not so much a nickel. Um, I'm kind of transitioning into safety now. That's fine. Um, we're, I think we're all eager to talk about safety, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a, a much more versatile guy. I, he does the kind of things, um, that, that uh, Jared Davis would do where he would rush off the edge and then drop back right. um, only a safety, not a linebacker. Um, but he has those type of traits where he can move around and he can cover guys. He can brush the passer. He can play against the run. Um, I don't know where his upside is as a starter, but as a, as a guy that you can immediately plug into a defense and find a use for um, he's got to be one of those guys that you're really looking into. Um Lewis seen out of Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, one of the hardest hitters in the draft. I, I think his biggest play still, uh, and I say biggest play, it's probably his most well-known play. It's not his biggest play, um, was when he took out, um, Kyle Pitts in college when he, he took his head off. I mean, he just, he just, it was not a clean hit at all. <laughs> um, but he, he plays very mean, very aggressive when he's, he's playing at safety. He, he moves around quite a bit. But I think it takes away a little bit, that particular play being the one he's known for, um, from how good of a player he actually is. He came into the year as a potential early day three guy, and he's done nothing but move up draft boards to the point where a lot of people are putting him in the first round now. Hmm. I think he's going to test really well. The interviews are probably going to be a bigger thing for him because he has that reputation of maybe being a dirtier player. Um, again, I don't think that that's a worthwhile critique in his game. I think generally he's just very physical. Um, we've also got Yusuf Corker out of Kentucky um, is a potential sleeper in the class. We have him uh, at PFN ranked uh, around 130, which is like the fourth or fifth round. Um, most people I've seen have him a little bit lower than that, but I, I think he's a really good player who can probably find a role in an NFL defense very early in the season, maybe not as a starter, but, but as a, a third safety and kind of work his way into a defense that way. Um, and the last guy, not even the last guy, I still have two more. Uh, <laughs> Daxton Hill out of Michigan yep. is going to destroy the combine. Um, he's, if it wasn't for Jeremy Chin, just obliterating all of the drills of the combine. I would say that Daxton Hill has a really good shot at, at getting that number 10 RAS spot. Um, but he should contend at least he's a ridiculous athlete. He's going to jump out the gym. He's going to run really, really well. Um, and all he had to do this year was prove that he has had, Hey, he was able to put some of that together. 
Um, and he did way more than that for Michigan this year. He showed that he was a very good player that he was able to develop. He was able to look at all the things he had been doing wrong the previous season and improve upon them. Um, he got a lot better both against the run and against the pass. Um, very impressive player. Um, he's in play at 32. Um, I don't know that he even makes it to 32. Um, wow. But if he does, that's a guy that's in play there. Um, also in play there is Jaquan Brisker, another Penn State guy. So, of course, he's going to test well. <laughs> um, that's just how they do. Um, but he's also a legitimate player. Uh, his, his physical traits just pop when you're watching him play. I mean, you, you see that speed, you see that explosive, you see that start stop whenever the ball moves, when, when a, a player makes a cut, uh, very instinctive player, a lot of really good traits to watch with Brisker. Um, we have him rated in the first round. I think he might go there, but I think the highest I, I see him going is 32 to the lions. I don't, I'm, I'm not as big on him as a first round guy, but if he does, I know a team that needs a safety. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's right. Um, I, I got one question about the safety class, Kent, and it's uh, it's the guy that we haven't talked about. It's Kyle Hamilton. Uh, I know that he's a name that gets talked about an awful lot because um, he's one of the few blue chip prospects. I think that a lot of people see in this draft, but I, I kind of just want to know, like, I mean, you just literally listed off all these names of all these safeties and how deep this class is. Like how big is the drop off in between like a Hamilton and the next group of guys in the next tier versus the gap that exists between Hutchinson and I guess put Hutchinson and Thibodeau in the same tier and, and, and the difference between that. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a significant drop off for the edge rushers between Hutchinson and Thibodeau. And then your Carl Aptis, Sanders, uh, Ojabo and those guys, it's a pretty big drop off. Um, it's a much more significant drop, even with this being a strong safety class. It's a much more significant drop off from a guy like Hamilton to guys like Hill and Brisker. Um, and that I, I've just sat here singing the praises of both Hill and <laughs> right. Brisker. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hamilton is a difference maker on a defense. There's a reason that you're talking about a safety in the top five. There's a reason that this guy has been mocked to the Lions at second overall over pass rushers that they desperately need. Um, safeties don't usually have that kind of impact on the game. And this isn't necessarily a positional value question. It's just the safety isn't there to make plays immediately. That's just mm -hmm. not what their job is. Their, their job doesn't entail them making a difference immediately because they're so far off the ball. Right. Um, so a guy like Hamilton who can make a difference immediately when he's on the ball, when he's on the line, who can cover tight ends and completely erase them from the field, who can get that ball and turn it over when the team needs it. You know, this, this is a guy who can do all of those things, who can be that difference maker on defense. He changes some of the looks that you can give an opposing team when you have somebody like Hamilton with that kind of range and that kind of explosiveness. Because if you have him covering the left side of the field, that doesn't mean that that's where he's going to be once that ball is snapped. That doesn't mean that he's going to cover somebody in that zone or even cover man on that side. I've seen plays where the running back is offset to the left of the quarterback and he's deep right. And he still covers the running back man in a wheel and gets to him before the ball's away. That kind of range doesn't exist for most players. It's just not a common trait to see. And that's why he's being talked up the way that he is. We're talking about a guy that has the level of ability that Eric Berry had when he first came out. We're talking about the kind of guy 
that has a, at equal to or better than Derwin James's ability coming out. Um, he's a very well thought of prospect and basing on the, the numbers that we have previously, he should test extremely well. He's also huge, which I think is also pretty helpful. Um, he's probably going to be one of the biggest defensive backs out there. I'm going to hold your heat, your feet to the fire here, Kent. Would you be okay if you went too? I would be okay with the team picking him. I would be okay with the Lions getting him. I, it isn't the pick I would make, but I would be okay with the pick. I'll take that. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's Kent Lee Platty at Math Bomb on Twitter. Kent, woo. I'm, I, I, I could talk to you for another hour about the draft, which that should be a, a, a big compliment because <laughs> I don't like talking about the draft. Uh, if you aren't following him already, you absolutely have to during, during combine week, you really have to all, all 51 other weeks as well. But uh, Kent, good luck next week. I know it's going to be a busy time a year for you and appreciate you making some time for us. Oh, always going to make time for you guys. Hopefully we got some picks that I can jump over and party with you guys for just like we did last year. Um, you guys can find me, of course, as mentioned on Twitter at MathBomb. Uh, you can also check out my website, raz.football. Um, I have somebody helping me this year. So you can actually not only just go and look up your favorite players on the website and look at where their testing was for the last 36 years, you can also compare one player to another. You can compare guys side by side. You can pull up a player that you like and run a hypothetical. What if this guy was a little bit taller? What would his score be if he ran a little bit faster? Uh, maybe a guy had a better pro day than he had in his combine. You're like, what would he look like with his combine numbers? You can do all that stuff now directly on the site for any player. Uh, there's over 21,000 players currently in the database. It's probably going to be over 23, maybe even 24 uh, by the end of the 2022 draft class. Very <laughs> excited for this one. It's a huge draft class. Um, you can also find me at Pro Football Network. I occasionally write for them. Most of the time I'm doing application development. You can try the Pro Football Network mock draft simulator at profootballnetwork.com slash mock draft. Um, everything's free. Feel free to rip apart our rankings. We change our rankings once a week at least, sometimes twice a week. So if the rankings are wrong or you think this guy will never fall out of the first round, we've, we've still got about 50 guys that aren't falling out of the first round this year. Um, <laughs> you can hit me up on Twitter and let me know. We do we do base those rankings on a number of analysts and, and the amount of work that they put in on scouting these players. Um, and then I get to listen in for some reason. We've got a lot of talented people and me. Um but uh, we also take in fan feedback. Not, not, we're not just going to change a guy because you say, but it's always good to have somebody saying, hey, this guy's really good. Enough people say it, we've got to take notice. So go run some, some mock drafts and, and let me know what you come up with. Go run some, some mock tests on raz.football and tell me what you come up with. Hit me up on Twitter, at MathBomb, and I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Kent, that was a perfect ending. I, I, I feel like I can't even do my outro. That was that was so good, <laughs> but I will. Again, thank you, Kent. Thank you, Ryan, for joining us. Thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>